Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the RuneQuest rules by Chaosium Incorporated. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Strong language, mature scenes, and rune magics are on the way. As this is our Glorantha, we will remind listeners that it may vary from the one you already know and love. And now, on to the show. Thank you for joining us again on an episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am not your keeper, your handler, or your storyteller tonight because we are going to play RuneQuest. And to do so, I'm going to hand off to a friend of the show and a Patreon backer. Stefan, tell us what we're up to. Hi, folks. I'm Stefan, known as RQ Stefan across the interwebs. And we're going to be inserting a group of fairly neophyte adventurers into the world of Glorantha, more specifically the southern region of Dragon Pass, to see what these highly traveled and exceedingly worldly characters actually get up to on a day-to-day basis. Uh, But of course, I can't do this on my own. It's all with the, the wonderful players at this table. So take it away, Heather. Hi, everybody. I'm Heather. Uh, otherwise known as Valley Girl on certain interwebs. I am playing Diana Zor. She is a noble woman of the cult of Amalda and has a very interesting history, as uh, I'm sure we will all discover. And I'm very excited because this is my first time ever playing RuneQuest. So I am very excited to see this new system and this new world. Fantastic. And to Heather's right. This is Jake. I'm playing Ventar Riverborn, and I am a hunter and belongs to the cult of uh, Odalia. Um, I'm really excited about playing RuneQuest. Last but most certainly not least, myself, Mike. I'm going to be playing Aaron Brook, a warrior by occupation and lover of Orlanth for life. With a group like that, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we will um, turn the page on the, uh, the, the tome, as it were, and see what the uh, sketch artist is starting to prepare. And what they have is a perfectly normal spring afternoon. So we're in, uh, in the Gloranthan calendar sea season, which is the first season of the year. And we find the group doing a little bit of clan work to, as it were, earn their uh, their daily bread and keep. They're out uh, in the hills on the southeastern part of the Nymi Vale, tending and herding a group of eight cattle, nine cattle maybe, and just enjoying a perfectly ordinary day in the countryside. So the the question then turns to the group that are currently gathered, sitting up probably on top of the the slight rise overlooking the grassy plains where there's a few small lakes and we have the cows partaking of a quiet drink. But what, what is the group doing as they're in their 
fifth hour of a day's uh, cattle herding. I don't imagine Aaron probably stays in one place a whole lot. He probably has a lot of frenetic energy, and he's probably one of those types of fellows, the two of you, of course, having encountered him several times and spent time with him. He's sort of just always on the move, maybe even at some points to his own um, detriment, but he moves around a lot. And so he's probably passing, you know, down through some of these hills or going by some of these trees. He probably likes to climb to the top of hills a lot. He was likely instructed to do so often by his mother to get rid of some of this energy <laughs> of a sort. Uh, so, yeah, I can imagine that's probably what he's up to. So where what might we find Ventar? Uh, Ventar is probably near the cattle, keeping the eye out for predators and raiders, trying to keep as close to the eye on them and keep them around, check for tracks, that kind of thing. That makes absolute sense. And Raiders is very much a uh, a cultural thing, especially in this particular area, since the Sethnorin clan switched tribes uh, or was forcibly switched tribe-wise. It's become quite a target for, well, let's call it friendly cattle raids from some of the neighboring clans, both from within and without the tribe as... It's possible in one breath to claim that you're either part of the Kolimar as you were or part of the Lokame as you now are, uh, depending on what suits the individual raiders' needs for uh, justification. And then, of course, we have our noble lady. Where do we find her? In her resplend- resplendent, of course, <laughs> in her full bronze metal armor, burnished to a sheen it's burnished probably more to hide the fact that of course it's been in the last year reworked for the fourth time to fit yet another wearer and since the last three wearers of the family armor were all various males or male-ish there's there's a little bit of extra work to hide as it were (laughs) Uh, I believe, uh, I mean, if we've been out here for five-ish hours or so, mm-hmm. um, we must keep our strength up. And so on top of keeping watch over the flocks and fields, uh, as she would, she keeps one eye on those and the other eye to make sure that her fellow compatriots as well as herself keep their strength up. So I'm sure she would be preparing um, some kind of basic sustenance for everyone uh, while blessing the bounty and the fortunes that they have at this time so that hopefully they will continue. Well, that makes a lot of sense, taking care of not only the herd, but the herders as well. So you're fairly sort of well spread out throughout the range of the cattle when I would like everybody to attempt a listen roll. Alrighty. This is of course in complete contrast to the BRP trope of the first roll in any Call of Cthulhu game being a spot hidden. My listen is a 30, I have 15, so 
may have passed. Mm-hmm. I have a listen of 35, and I, that is 35 on the dot. Nice. I have a listen of 45, and I rolled a 47, so I do miss it. Okay. So, uh, for Arian and Danis, uh, you want to be sure to take those skill rolls, just to remember that you succeeded. For Arian, I think it's probably a little bit of a, almost a whisper on the wind as you hear something moving around the, the underbrush from further up along the hill. For Danis, it's more like there's just a slight vibration disturbance in the susurration that you feel up from the earth from the movement of water across down by the campfire well i will immediately stop whatever i am working and preparing and instant you know look start scanning intently around and t- to see if I can find or view the source of wherever those vibrations are coming from. Makes sense. And I imagine Arian is not too dissimilar. No, he probably does something a little autoscope, which is he pauses and tries to focus because something is disturbing the air in a way he was not prepared for it to disturb it. Mm -hmm. And so that means there's a message for him. Indeed. In his way of thinking. So the net result is that all three of you have an opportunity to make a Risa scan roll. But Arian and Dianis are at plus 20%. Okay. I have a scan of 30 and I roll the 30. Uh, so that is a success. How about a rather two? Uh, so I have a... Normally, have a scan of 35. I obviously get the plus 20% onto that. So it would be 55. And I rolled a 29. Very good. So that's a regular success. And meanwhile, Venta, who's just far enough away from the action not to have heard the initial. I have a scan of 45 and I rolled a 10. Ooh. Nice. Okay. Ooh. That's good. Um, unfortunately, the way the success levels work out, a special or an impale, it would be a nine on a 45. So you, you rolled an, a, as good a normal success you could get without actually getting <laughs> any additional pieces for it. Yes, there's none of that pesky luck around to spend. Indeed. However, the, depending on situations, it's certainly been known, and I'm one of the proponents, for GMs to allow retroactive use of passion, passions and runic inspirations, particularly if there's a good story reason for the role. Don't really know if I have anything that would apply to this kind of... Um, th- uh. For this one, I think we can let the, the, the 10 stand as is. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to get much uh, benefit from making it really well because what you do end up seeing coming up 
through the undergrowth up on the far northwestern edge of the ridge, sort of coming up on both sides of that ridge, are a total of nine creatures that your characters recognize, even if the players probably don't. But they are a staple of Genitalia and Glorantha. You can think of these as overgrown New York City rats. So call them about four foot in length. Now take and move the jaw back to the front shoulders. Open the jaw 60 degrees and fill it with rows of sharp teeth and then make the whole thing clad in armadillo-like scales. Yeah, so it's like a overgrown armadillo with a gator head. Yeah. The, these are known as rubble runners, most frequently found in ruins and other areas where they can uh, scavenge uh, freely. Now, where you are is but um, a mile or two away from the, uh, the Pegasus Plateau, which is a tall mesa that sticks up into the countryside. So the, this is probably a group that have scavenged or migrated out of there. They're not incredibly common here out in the pasture lands, but they, they do occur. And they're, they're certainly more than happy to try to make a meal of, say, a number of cows. This will be an excuse to, to dive straight into the meat of the, uh, the RuneQuest system, and particularly the uh, combat system. So the way this roughly works is that we have a round of actions, approximately 12 seconds long, divided up into 12 strike ranks. Now, in a round, you can, assuming uh, nothing else is constraining you, you can move freely up to eight hexes, bearing in mind that a change of facing will cost you a hex worth of movement. Each hex just for scale uh, is about three meters or 10 feet. So you, you can, uh, you would start to move in order of decks, essentially. It's on your deck strike rank. You can also do a magical effect, be it rune or spirit. You can have an attack action and you can have a defensive action. Under certain circumstances, you can swap that defensive action for a separate attack action, such as if you were actually wielding two weapons, one in each hand, and you had multiple opponents around you, you could choose to attack opponent A with right hand and opponent B with the left hand and not worry too much about defending yourself. Now, the constraining factor around all of that is the strike rank concept. So everything you do has a strike rank cost. You, unless, apart from the case of rune magic, which is special, uh, all rune magic occurs immediately on strike rank one. Your actions start on your dex strike rank. 
So the higher your dex, the lower your dex strike rank, the faster you get going in, in the round. If you're doing a physical action, such as a, an attack, then your size strike rank plays in, as does the strike rank of whatever you're using. The easiest way to think of this is in, in a normal face-to-face -face with an opponent, uh, if you, on the main part of the sheet, scroll down to the weapon section, you'll see listed the various attack forms or weapon forms that your characters have available. And you'll see the three numbers listed. You'll see your deck strike rank just above them. For each weapon, there will be an entry for a weapon strike rank or WSR. So the smaller the weapon, the higher the weapon strike rank because the lower reach you have with it. Certainly. And then you have the total strike rank. So uh, if I recall most... You, you're, with your main weapon, you're typically going on strike rank six or seven. Yeah, that looks about right. So, and, and just for reference, the, these rubble runners are typically going on strike rank nine because they're A, not very dexterous. In the scheme of things, compared to a human, they're not that big. And the reach of a set of teeth isn't that great. Sure. So you... In any given round, you'll typically have, you'll typically be going before them. Now, having said that, of course, you also have the option of casting spells. Say, for instance, Arion, uh, being quite close in, wishes to cast Blade Sharp on his battle axe before engaging with one or more of the rubble runners that are frankly, in, in, inside of 10 meters from him, he would have to pay a certain strike rank cost to cast that spell that would add to the total strike rank for, for him for that round. So you'd probably be going on strike rank eight rather than strike rank six. And basically, if you run out of strike ranks in the round, then you've reached the limit of the actions that you can do in that round and you kind of have to start again the next round. Interesting. So we're all sort of against the 12 clock. Indeed. So just to make life a little bit easier for everybody, I'm going to start with the statements of intent for the Rubble Runners, just to give a sense of what's going on. And they're basically going to split into two groups, one of which is going to try to run down the hill as fast as they can to get around Arion and make for the, eventually make for the cows, but they won't reach the cows this round. Three of them will break off and basically form a semicircle around Arion to engage with him if they get it right. And I think what I'm going to do is go from furthest to closest as far as statements of intense goes, just because I, I, I think we will cover the interesting points that way. So looking at Ventar, 
who looks up at the ridge and suddenly sees the sniffing heads of these rubble runners appear over the tip of the the grass. Now hears their tittering screech of feed. What does he wish to do? Uh, I believe Ventar is going to um, ready and he will be firing his bow at the lead rubble runners. Yes, that is what I'm intending to do. That makes perfect sense. And I'm going to assume that um, to avoid starting off with the firing into melee rules, that you're concentrating on the rubble runners making a break for the cows? Yes, I will rely on my companion to take care of himself. It's that kind of world. So, Dianis, what is uh, your reaction to all of this? How spread out right now is the herd? Basically from where you are, about 30 meters in a rough line. So you, you have one cow pretty much down by you by the fire, and then there's a line of them going up along the uh, the lake, the pond shore, as it were. Just to confirm, how much distance can I cover? You can cover up to 24 meters, so up to eight hexes. So if the rubble runners weren't moving, you could just get to uh, the lead rubble runner at full combat sprint. Now, since they're going to be moving, it's actually, you're going to meet them part way if you did that. Okay. What I was thinking of probably have been set up beforehand, but I will go a different direction. Well, if, if, if there's something that you would have <laughs> naturally just sort of have ready or, or have prepared or, you know, oh, that means that they've just come up across the uh, drop pits that we dug earlier. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to roll with it. Okay. Uh, I was my thought would have been as a seeing her motivations more as a protector and provider uh, and as a herd would be obviously very a very uh, necess- you know big necessity for any kind of you know surviving you know for survival she probably would have set up at least in a general area where the herd would have been kind of corralled, some area of warding. So she would have put in her stakes, uh, probably her her thick sticks uh, in a general area. So her thought would have been to at least provide some level of protection around the herd. Would that still be a possibility? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So the question there is, since that is a stackable wound spell, mm-hmm. is how many of your three rune points you would have wished to spend on that? Bearing in mind that rune points is probably something that you would get back 
about once per season or so. Each mm. rune point, for reference, uh, will give you a three by three hex area. Or, well, oh, it's a hundred square meters. That could be a that could be a ten by one line of hexes. So you could arguably set it up around the drinking area completely if you wanted to for for just a single point. So yeah, so it probably would have been one point. Mm-hmm. I'll, we'll just call it. It'll be one point for that. And it would have encompassed the largest possible area uh, around where the herd would have been kept. So that way we could protect as many of uh, as many of the uh, the herd animals as possible. Admittedly, there have to be some level of acceptable losses should <laughs> should anything befall. But at least it would have given a level um, of protection. Uh, and thanks to the gods uh, for that. Well, I am just for ease of reference going to say that there is a warding line running up essentially the diagonal from where you are up to the almost furthest cows. Uh, it looks like there's three cattle, right? Four cattle, maybe the ten that have uh, won- just wandered outside it a little bit, but it's there for the majority at least. Okay. Uh, so with that, and that ca- that was sort of pre-prepared, I think. So with that in mind, what's the immediate reaction? The immediate reaction is I would like to grab my javelin mm-hmm. and position myself so that I am between the herd and the rubble runner, where I were at least where I can have an idea of where they're coming from, and uh, ready myself for as soon as I can get a clear shot uh, on that to make my throw. Perfect. The one question I have for you with that Mm -hmm. is what is your dexterity strike rank? My DSR uh, is three and then it has readied readied weapon three slash eleven. Yeah. So so that means that you would start moving on strike rank three, because that's when okay. you your next strike. By that point, you've gotten your legs sorted out under you, as it were. The javelin itself is just a once per melee round weapon, so it will cost you your deck strike rank again to perform the throw maneuver with the javelin. So that means that we've used up six out of the available 12. So you could then move anything up to six strike rounds, six hexes in the meanwhile before you throw. I think you'll still have enough time next round, even if you move completely, that they won't quite get to you and get a bite in before you get your shield out. So that's sort of the, 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 the balance there, but we'll, we'll see how that move works out. And I guess I should ask for both uh, Ventar and Dianis, is there any, are there any uh, spirit magic spells or even, well, rune spells that you would wish to cast? I don't think so at the moment. Yeah, not, not this time. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then we get into the thick of it. Arian, who has given 
the Aryan is perfectly placed to split the group of rubble runners. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. also means that it's quite likely that they're just going to more or less surround him as they move forwards. So the question is how Aryan deals with that tactical predicament. I think uh, as a trained warrior, I think he, in some ways, likely um, enjoys this situation. And so he'll simply shrug the shield off from his shoulder and let the haft of the battle axe find his hand and say to them, if you're here for the flock, you will reap the whirlwind first. Yes, he is. There are some people that would claim that Orlamphy tend to be windbags. That's probably a little bit... Just lunars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm assuming that you're then just going to step forward and essentially in, into uh, the charge and try to beat uh, beat into it. Okay. Any, bat, any uh, magic from your side? I mean, I have Blade Sharp. I have Blade Sharp too. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose I can cast that as I walk in. It's the it's one of the things that you can do as you're moving. So it's a, it's almost a, a, a free action in that sense. Yeah, I might as well. Indeed. Okay. And so then I will ask what Arians and Vendor's deck strike ranks are. My deck strike rank is two. Ventar's deck strength rank is one. Okay. There is going to be quite the volley of arrows from Ventar. <laughs> Since missile fire occurs uh, on your deck strike rank, in this case, since there's no actual rune magic being cast, Ventar gets the first salvo off on strike rank one. So if you would care to roll your self-bow attack. Okay. That would be 17 under 75. Very nice. Ooh. Which I don't believe is an impale. I don't think it's an impale. 15 is an impale. Yes, you're quite right. Uh, So not quite. And that will be five points of damage. If you look on the section uh, just above combat notes, you have a dodge number, but also a drop down for hit location. If you would please move that drop down to four-legged and then roll the the d20 to see where you hit with that five. Ooh, nice. Solid four-quarter hit. Uh, five points. Unfortunately, of course, these are uh, have got quite hefty scale armor. Right. That your arrow sticks in. Clearly does at least some damage. It's not the incapacitating hit that you would have expected on that often unarmored creature, but it's every little helps. So strike rank two, we have Arion moving forwards into going into contact. We'll just call it trouble. <laughs> we have Dianis setting off. Uh, how many points of Blade Sharp is Arion casting, Mike? So that's a great question. So to me, I think two points is probably enough. 
Two points is uh, more is probably enough, and probably as much as you would have in a single spell. It is quite rare to find uh, people with more than two points in a specific variable spell, even though there is no theoretical maximum in the in the rule set. Uh, just culturally, that's sort of where. Mm-hmm. Since, since you have to be taught it, so the. Strike rank cost for a spirit magic spell is one strike rank less than the number of magic points you're putting into it. So since you're casting Blade Shop 2, that means you're putting two points in, so it'll end up costing you one strike rank. Okay. So that means that, but since it's something you can do whilst you're moving, it basically means that that will end up casting on the next strike rank. So strike rank three. Yeah, and for me, it's going to give me 10 percentage points to hit, and it's going to deal two extra damage. Indeed. As you move forwards, you come a little bit into the flank of the group, such that you basically end up splitting yourself between two rubble runners with one trying to get through behind, but it's blocked by those two. And then the the flanks of the rubble runners kind of stream around you to either side, heading down for the cows. But of course, that just means that they'll run into Dianis. <laughs> Don't mess with Mama. Who will have moved five by the time that she intercepts. And in the meanwhile, there's also more, more arrow fire to come. One question for Ventar. Are you going to keep your position back in the line of the cows, or are you? do you want to start moving forwards as you're shooting? Uh, I believe I'll move forward a little bit just to stay ahead of the cows. Okay. So strike rank three is the next thing to happen, which is uh, Arian casting his blade sharp. So uh, go ahead and make your spirit magic roll, uh, also uh, known as power times five. 27 under 55. Oh, easily. So that means you get to deduct two magic points from your available magic points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now on the character sheet, there's your magic point numbers followed by a slash and then a probably a zero or something. The way I the way I run it is that I keep track of the number of points I've spent. Other people prefer to have the number of points left after the slash. Whatever works. <laughs> sure. So you do in fact get that in place. As you as you begin to move and you realize that you're going to be facing multiple opponents. Arion, it becomes a question of given that you have an axe and a shield out, and also of course the the possibility of a dodge on top of that, how do you wish to distribute those between the two opponents that seems likely to be attacking you? So you could, for instance, attack one dodge the one you're attacking and parry the second one or any combination including dodging multiple times at additional penalties as you go 
Yeah, I think I'm going to keep it probably pretty basic. Um, I know that some have already gotten past me to toward closer towards the herd. I know that Dianus is down there. Um, I also know that Ventar is to is basically to my right, not too terribly far, but but to my right. And so I think what I want to do is I want to keep. I I'm gonna want to attack, place my attack essentially directly in the square, the hex that's to the left of me. And I want to be prepared to parry what comes to the front of me. Okay. Because I think that if I can keep, if I can keep the ones who are to my left coming at me, then I can work with, with Ventar to the stuff in the middle eventually. So we'll clean up the edges and then come back to center. Yep, that makes perfect sense. With that in mind, the next thing that will happen is that Ventar will get his second shot on strike rank six. I keep my dice in my hands. Nah. All right, that's 47 under 75. Okay. So you get to roll your d6 plus one plus... Oh, yeah, d6 plus one. I don't think you have a strength bonus, if I recall. No, I don't think so. Uh, that'll be six to I rolled twelve, and that means oh, twelve on a four-legged. That is a hindquarters hit. So then you six damage, you say. Yes. So okay, so there's one push, two, three. So yeah, you 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 manage to get an arrow that sticks in a bit behind the scale. Just over the the rear legs on the, the 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 one you hit earlier, but doesn't seem to do anything particularly spectacular, unfortunately. So that's strike rank six. Normally there would be a whole the the rest of you would also be going on six, but you've moved and cast spells, so you're going a bit later this round. Uh, and I think next up is. Arian's axe slice on eight. Okay. Happy to um, deal with the rabble from rubble. Oh, um, that's a two. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so with the plus 10%, an axe, uh, mm-hmm. my axe is with the augmented axe skill, I think it's 45. That's a. Two under a forty-five. That's a two hundred and forty-five. That is a critical hit. That is going to be a special attack, which in your case, because you're using an axe, is a slash, which means that you get to roll your D eight plus two weapon damage twice. So two D eight plus four. Yep. And then do I also my strength bonus as well? Is it doubled or is it just added on the end? No, your, your, your strength bonus just gets added on at the end together with the blade sharp, sharp damage. So it's okay. then plus two plus, I guess, a d4. Okay, so that is 21. 21 points to a location. Yeah, let me find out which location. Ooh, hindquarters hit for 24 points. Now, with, a, with it being a critical, this now also ignores armor. Right. So, 24 points. We have 
a total of five, no, it's a rubble runner, four hit points uh, in the hindquarters. Um, so that's six times the available hit points in that location. Arian is almost takes on the form of a, uh, or his axe moves almost with the power of a whirlwind as it glimmers through the air with the blade sharp upon it and it just slices clean through breaking the back of this rubble runner splitting it in twain so we have our first casualty of the day so that was on eight next up uh, what is Diana's normal weapon sprite rank on with her broadsword? The SR for the broadsword is seven. Okay, seven. So uh, you would normally go on seven. You've moved four, so you're going. You'll go on eleven. The good news is the the rubble runner that you're facing up against that you've sort of intercepted has moved uh, four hex four hex or five hexes which means that it's actually moved more than the amount of strike ranks it had available to then also be able to get an attack in so it's not going to get an attack in on you this round yay <laughs> i live another round <laughs> meanwhile uh so the next thing that will happen is Ventar's third arrow on 11. That is a 36 under 75, so that hits. Ooh, nice. So, uh, yet again, damage and location, please. Uh, Four points. I rolled a location of five. Okay. Um, That arrow bounces off one of the uh, hind legs doesn't actually manage to penetrate the the leg armor. Okay, now I know. So then we have Dianis's broadsword swing on 11 as well. Okay. Now I had readied my javelin. So does that That's right. You were throwing your javelin yes, which you could have which you would have thrown earlier on in the movement. So in reality will just back you back to about strike rank four or five-ish. But since your target is not involved in the other two combats, that's okay. Then we don't have to, we don't have to to go back too far. Yeah. Yeah, because my DSR for the, excuse me, for the javelin is a three. So she probably would have let fly pretty early on when the target was still a little ways away. Makes perfect sense. So go go ahead and see if there actually is a live target by the time you get there. So roll your javelin attack. Unfortunately, it does live because I do miss. I rolled a 79 over 60. So uh, it, well, it manages to get by. <laughs> yeah, well, to, to be fair, you probably let go a little bit too early whilst it was still just about at max range which is only 20 meters or so for a javelin, because they are quite big and heavy. I mean, they, they, they will do a D10 of damage if they hit. 
and it, it, it just falls short. But you still manage to run through, and as, as you're doing so, you're probably shrugging your at least your shield into place to be able to meet yeah. essentially the well. Saying that it's a charge is overstating things yeah. dramatically, but lumbering uh, yeah. <laughs> of this thing. And, and finally, on strike rank 12, we have the one remaining rubble runner trying to gnaw its way through Arion. Oh, wonderful. So um, go ahead, Arion, and roll your parry, if you would. Certainly. All right. I have a 14 under my 55. A 14 under your 55, which is not a special. The fact that it misses doesn't have any particular effect. Just managed to quite happily bash the side of its head away as it <laughs> goes in to, to try to snap at you. So that is the end of the first round. There is a splinter group that has sort of broken through and might be able to get down to the start of the cow line by the end of round two, but probably won't have time to actually attack at that point. And uh, it's the lead of that group that Arion is, oh, sorry, that uh, Ventar is shooting at at the moment. Mm. Okay. Well, if they do get to the line of warding, they will at least start to take damage that way. In, in, indeed, they'll, they'll. We'll see how well they take to being <laughs> uh, electrocuted, as it were. So, uh, with that in mind, let's start off. Let's go in the opposite order, since we're now in uh, in actual melee between us. Arion, you've got uh, one that you were parrying. You've got a second one that's moving in to take the place of the uh, two halves lying on the ground. No, no, no. Lunch. <laughs> Lunch. What does roasted rubble runner I don't taste know, like? But listen, does it taste like chicken? Listen, we're not here to leave waste. That's right. Oh, no. Well, we will. At least one will be for burned as sacrifice and thanks for our survival and the survival of the cows. Oh, absolutely. One would definitely hope so. So yes, what's Arion's plan? I think it seems fitting, since he's had a fair reasonable chance at blocking the one that came in on last time, mm -hmm. um, this other one that's moved in, I, I think he's going to keep his hands where they are, and he's going to sort of whip the axe around to try to cut at this newcomer because he, he feels confident enough that he can continue to parry off the, the one that he has uh, already done so. That makes perfect sense. Without having a look to see, but I'm assuming, therefore, no extra spell casting or uses of inspiration or impassioning. Uh, not just yet. I have an idea in his mind that is forming about how I might use something like that in the future, but it would probably be to chase down the ones that have gotten past him already. Because if there's one thing he likes, and that's being quick about his movements. Indeed. And the air rune at, the air rune at 90 is staring me in the face. <laughs> it, it's, it's certainly there in, um, in all of it. 
its shifting glory, as it were. <laughs> in complete and utter contrast to the shifting, swishing axe blades up by Arion, we move to the stoic, solid defense and, well, I don't know, stabbing or slashing, really, of uh, Dianis. <laughs> Pointy end goes in the other guy. That's all you have to worry about. Okay, so shield is now slung appropriately over the arm, uh, and the broadsword is out. Indeed. I'm I'm just going to assume that you're intending to uh, uh, introduce both of said to the one uh, opponent that's facing you. Oh, yes, absolutely. I will introduce... uh, I will will bring a little bit of light to their uh, darkened soul, preferably literally. Uh. <laughs> or a, for a, a, a brief light of pain before it all goes dark again, yes. Swallowed up by Mother Earth. Any particular use of passions or wounds to aid you in this respect that you would wish? Nothing officially, just a deep-seated hatred for those who would try t- those of any kind that would try to uh, remove myself <laughs> from my life or uh, my friends or my herd. Perfect. Then on to Ventar. Uh, I will continue to fire at the lead uh, Rebel Rouse. Okay. Ventar has an interesting tactical situation, of course, at the moment, being about half a sprint away from the uh, lead rubble runner so you could if you wanted to move and probably just about intersperse yourself between the three rubble runners who are as it were loose and the the cattle okay okay can I cast uh, a rune oh absolutely I'm going to drop my bow, sprint, and I'm going to pull my shield and battle axe out, and I'm going to cast bear strength on myself. Ooh. You are not messing around, sir. Nope. <laughs> you clearly believe in the right to bear arms. Aha. Uh-huh. Or uh-huh. arm bears. <laughs> That's right. Nope. No, that, 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 makes, that makes perfect sense. And isn't at all scary. Fortunately, your two companions are looking the other way. The on our side. So, with that in mind, since Bear Strength is a rune spell, that will go off first. So, the mechanic for rune spells is that you pick a rune that is associated with the spell. Right. Beast. Seems reasonable. I certainly can't argue that one. And you get to roll against your beast rune. All right. I got a 24 under 75. 24 under 75, that's certainly a success. The spell works. You deduct one or two rune points, I forget. Tune. Two. Two. So you deduct your two rune points, and the spell takes effect. Unless it says otherwise, it will be in effect for the next 15 minutes. You're running to intercept at that point. Yes. Okay. So then the question is for Ventar, what is your normal strike rank for your battle axe? Six. Now, it will cost you uh, five strike ranks to ready it. 
I don't see a reason why you, you can't do that whilst moving and also you can double stack that with readying the shield because you've got two arms. Right. You'll basically be ready to strike by 11. The good news is that the two rubble runners that will be in contact with you at that point have also moved, so they won't be attacking until 12. Excellent. That then means that we go around to strike rank six, which I believe is Arion's axe. Indeed it is. Let's have some more fun with the axe, shall we? Indeed. Let's see if we can repeat ourselves. <laughs> um, probably not a repeat. That's certainly a hit. 22. Oh, yep, yep. Under his uh, axe skill. So, well, not as um, not as wondrous as last time. Um, he does have a fair uh, strength bonus. Mm-hmm. And don't forget the two points from the, the blade shop as well. Certainly. Uh, so that's 14. Ooh, 14. Well, it's going to hurt wherever it hits. Let us find out where. I'll just roll a d20. That's a 19. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's quite clear that somewhere in somewhere in Arian's journeys, he's definitely taken a dislike to rubble runners because you cleave its head off at the neck. I'm going to say two. The neck is hanging on by just like a little bit of sinew, but to all Mm. intents and purposes, it is an ex-rubble runner. So moving on to strike rank seven and Dianis. Wow, they leave me anything to... You still still got the one that you're off, sort of faced off with a little bit to the side. Well, that is a 22 under 35 uh, for four points of damage. Okay, so you, you, you get that wonderful sensation of seeing your broadsword slide down the scales off the top of the rubble runner, but not actually stick in. Next up is nine with the two remaining rubble runners. So going back to Arion. Uh, if you mm-hmm. would care to roll your shield, Parry, sir. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's not great. So that is a 65 over his 45. 65 over his 45. Okay. We have, it's rolled a 30 under a 30. So it's going to try to stick its teeth into your right leg. However, it's only, it's only doing two points of damage, which I believe you have two points of armor. Uh, let's see here. Right leg armor. I have three points of right Three points armor. of armor. So it, it, it fails to penetrate the armor. It's chewing on me. Yep. And likewise with Dianis, uh, if you would care to roll a shield parry. Uh, yeah, let's do so shield. That is a 30 under 70. That is a 30 under 70. And we roll the 13 under 30, so we both succeed. It's doing three points of damage. That is insufficient to overcome the 12 points of your medium shield, which means that it takes no damage. I get to go 11, right? 
Oh yes, sorry. Yes, you have your yes. My bad. Your your axe. Uh, so yes, you have a choice of uh, two targets. Uh, one on your left flank and one on your right flank. Uh, I'll do the one on the right, seeing as that's my uh, less protected side. Makes sense. Now my my bear strength made my strength twenty four. Mm-hmm. So for just to make life easy. The character sheet doesn't have a am I under bear strength tick box, but just modify your actual strength up to 24 and it'll... Yeah, I've, I already took care of that. Yeah. I wanted to see what it changed my uh, skill rolls to. It's a very <laughs> good spell. <laughs> that is 22 under 60. 22 under 60. Okay, so that's a regular hit. My The, 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 the option for these is to parry with their snout. With- yes, that is 12 points of damage. Ooh. 16. 12 to the 16. Okay. That is just what you would have needed. You slice into the front uh, right, or the right foreleg of this rubble runner. Whilst you don't take it off, you do get that very satisfying crunch of breaking bone. (laughs) Now, what happens is that you end up making it take twice the amount of hit points that it actually had. So it had four points of armor, it has four hit points in the leg, so it's taken twice the four, which is enough, since you're using a slashing weapon, to functionally incapacitate it. Excellent. Nice. So it's not quite dead, but it is not capable of really taking any actions. And in fact, should you, uh, as a house rule, uh, should you so wish to kill it, uh, it's ba- that's basically a just don't fumble the, the, the slash that you make for it next. Oh. So that's round two. That's two rounds of RuneQuest combat for us uh, that we've uh, gotten into the first part of this, which has been, I think, pretty interesting. Um, we're at an interesting point in uh, the season for the characters. We just have to fend off the rest of these bits of rabble. And um, maybe we'll have a really nice lunch in here we'll, yeah. after this is all over. A little Indeed. rumble runner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we want to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter, for checking out us playing some RuneQuest. And uh, we'll be back shortly with the second half.